So this morning, I don't know if you saw that clip there, that's perhaps one of, uh, one of the most famous Ben Stein clips you're ever going to find. Um, in it, of course, that's the movie Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Has anyone actually not seen Ferris Bueller's Day Off? For real? Wow, okay. You guys need to go out and rent it because it's like a classic. Um, if you haven't seen it, you should go out and rent it because it's like a classic movie. It's probably good you guys didn't see it until you were out of high school, though, because it just encourages you to ditch school because apparently when you ditch school, the funnest day ever happens. Um, but there's this great scene at the beginning, of course, with Ben Stein, who is the uh, history teacher with that monotone, boring voice taking attendance, and it keeps cutting back to him. But that line, Bueller, 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 that four times of hearing that word, it's been used tons and tons, reproduced. Um, and, and what, obviously, he was doing there was, was taking attendance. Now, we're not going to start taking attendance at Acts Church. Don't worry. I'm not going to come up here on Sunday morning and go through the list and make sure everyone's here. Um, but what's interesting is attendance is taken at situations where it's important that you're there. And very, very often, probably the, the most common one that we would all know is back when we were in school or even when we go to college and stuff like that. They, they check attendance to make sure you were actually present there. When I was a kid, I remember... Um, taking attendance in school. You know, every single morning you take attendance and you go through. And I remember that I had one teacher, uh, you know, everyone in that, in that video actually, they say, you know, call your name and everyone's, you know, here, here. She wouldn't let us say here because that was not proper enough. She made us say present. So when she would call our name, we would have to say present. That's kind of an interesting word we don't hear as much uh, th- these days. But the word is actually really good because its definition, what, what present actually um, means is being in view or on hand. And it's kind of a, a prettier way of saying the fact that you're, you're in attendance. But she made us use that, and I, I kind of like that word, and that's what I want to talk to you about uh, this week and, and next week, this word present. Um, and it's just going to be a quick continuation. It's not going to be too long. But I think it's interesting that attendance is taken at, at situations in which you being there is important. Um, and I think one of the biggest problems, actually in the church, it's just that people aren't there. I think that's probably one of the biggest problems the church actually faces, is just that people aren't there. The question goes, then why is it so important? If you just track with me for a little while, you know I don't preach for a long time, but I want to take you through a couple points to just show you uh, how how important it really is. I want to talk to you about, about being present in your church and what it means. So just to step back from this, if you guys want to join with me, if you have Bibles this morning, you can follow with me. If not, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to read them to you this morning as well. Um, And I think actually pretty soon we're going to see about putting verses up here if I read a long chapter to you because people say sometimes they have trouble tracking with me. But I want to show you this. First of all, it is a a biblical thing because that's the biggest thing, right? We're here to hear about what does the Bible have to say about our lives. And being in a church is actually extremely biblical. Check this out, okay? In Acts, and that's the very first church after Jesus left, the church that we see in in the book of Acts is the very first one that forms up. It says this in Acts 2.42, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. This is the very first church after Jesus left. He sent the Holy Spirit. And it said what they already felt was important is that we got together, we heard people spread the the word of God, we heard an apostle teach, but then also it said what was important was they devoted themselves to, to fellowship, to just being together. They devoted to eating together. They would sit down to meals together. 
and then to prayer. Right away they realize that if we're going to be in this and we're going to be part of this world but yet a Christian, we need to come together. We need to have unity and we need to be a family on this. We even see in Hebrews, which is just a little while later, the writer, um, some people think it's Paul, some people don't, but the writer of Hebrews in, in Hebrews 10.25, it actually says a warning against not doing this. He says, and let us not neglect our meetings together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. This guy, he actually offers a warning, not just that you should, but he says, don't fall into the habit of not getting together. Because he says that it's, it's, it's dangerous. And as we get closer to Jesus coming back, we need to be together so we can encourage each other. I think it's kind of funny, isn't it? He says the day is drawing nearer. Well, we're nearer than it was then when he wrote it. He already saw that it was coming. Well, we're obviously a little while down the line past that, and we can see that it's still coming. We're closer than he was then. So the words are even more applicable today than they were when they were written then. But I think a lot of people, when they hear me talk about why it's important that you're present in your church, what they think what I'm going to talk about is how it's important for you to be there for the church. They think what I'm, what I'm going to say to you is I'm going to say it's important for you to be there because the church needs you there. You need to be there to help support the church. The church needs you to, to bring your tithe or something like that. Or they need you there in attendance just to be that. But that's not the approach I want to take with you at all this morning. In fact, I'm not going to say anything that even falls into that category. The reality is, is you need to be at present at church for you. Not for someone else. Not for the church's sake. But you need to be present in your church for you. Let me show you why, okay? I want to show you four things. Four things as we get together. And I don't know if you guys remember, but I keep telling you guys, this isn't church. We don't, th- this is a service. This is when we get together. But you guys are the church, Read through the Bible. Every time the word church is written, it's talking about people. It's not talking about a building, not talking about a meeting time. It's talking about people. So we're the church. But these times when we get together are really important. These services that we have are basically as we come together as a church. Four things I want to tell you that are so important about it that you'll see. First and foremost, when we come together, you get to hear from God. I mean, does anyone else not realize the the power of that, the, the grandeur of that statement, is that on, say, we do a Sunday morning here for, for this church that we get together. It's a time in which you can hear from God. And there's people which, it's, it's nothing to, to prop myself up or say that I'm special, but there's people who are given the gift of teaching, which is something that God gave me, which the gift of teaching is no more than literally God gave me a gift to be able to read God's word and try to explain it in a way that's clear. That's all that my gift is. But God gives people like that a gift to be able to then come and share and explain the Bible in a way that you say, okay, that makes sense. Well, it's an opportunity that you have because the reality is how many of you guys really have time to spend hours each week studying over the Bible? Maybe, you have, maybe you're really faithful and you maybe even study an hour a day, but how many of you have time to, to study and to work through passages in Scripture? Most of us don't. So the awesome thing is, is on a Sunday morning you can come, and that's what I've done this last week. I've taken time to look at a verse, to look at an, an idea or a topic that we're discussing, and dive deeper into it and be able to explain it, maybe things that you wouldn't find on your own. That's a cool gift that you guys have to be able to come and check out. And not only that too, but just on Sunday mornings when you come here, we believe that the Holy Spirit speaks through everything that we do. There's an opportunity for God to speak directly to you. And it's this opportunity that when we get together in, in a service, it's worth coming for. 
Number two, though, is this. It's an uninterrupted time with God. I mean, parents out there, real quick. Parents, how many times do you ever actually get one solid hour interrupted? Really? I mean, like, do you ever get a whole hour alone without an interruption? There's always something, right? Yeah, maybe if you can get them knocked out and they fall asleep for a little while, right? And you're like, oh, and you're sleeping, yeah. But I mean, like, to get that hour alone, even, even the same thing here, let me kick it back this way. Students, how many times do we actually get an hour that's uninterrupted? Not very often. Someone's tweeting you or texting you or something, right? There's always something going on or there's something in the back of your mind. But it's an uninterrupted time with God. I pray that on Sunday mornings, it's a time that you can come in and for an hour, you can just shut down everything else. I want to encourage you in this, and I've done this for years, because I don't know about you guys, but as we start going on here and talking about, because I understand busy, let me tell you, okay, this isn't coming from a pastor who gets paid to sit around and do nothing but study God's word all day, okay? I'm bivocational. I still work a full work week, then I do this on top of it, and then I help run this church. I understand busy. I promise you. I understand it. That's my life. But for years of being a person who's goal-driven, tons of different things, all these things on my plate, studying the failures of yesterday, understanding the present situation, thinking about what's going to happen tomorrow, for years I've done this, and I want to encourage you to do it too. When you come into a church service, okay, hang them all up. Just hang them all up. Because they're going to be waiting for you in an hour anyway. But see, for this hour, forget about them. When you walk in the door, just picture there's a big old coat hook hanging outside that door. And when you walk up, you can take all that garbage from yesterday, all of your cares and concern, all of the issues that you have to think about tomorrow, and just take them off your shoulder and hang them up for an hour. They'll be there when you come back. But walk in and say, for this next hour, I'm not going to worry about that stuff. I'm not going to trouble my mind because instead, I'm going to come here for a one hour of interrupted time with, uninterrupted time with God in which I can hear from him, and I can experience him. And I'm not going to get this the whole rest of the week, so I'm not going to miss this opportunity, because this is important. To, feel free to do that. I've done it my whole life. I still do it some Sunday mornings. There's a lot of stuff I've got to think about tomorrow. But for right now, this is all that matters. Number three, it's a community. Man, as we, as we start a relationship with Jesus, I want to tell you, you need friends. You need people to encourage you. If everyone that's in your, in your, your list of, of friends is on the opposite side of the fence of you, it's going to be really, really hard to keep on. You need people who are encouraging you, who are telling you that what you're doing is smart. People to tell you that uh, here's something that helps me when I'm going through the same type of struggle. I'm in the same place as you. Someone to walk hand in hand with you. It says that in the Bible that, if two, that two are better than one because if one trips and stumbles, the other one can help them back up. You need to find friends, and we wonder, where are we going to find friends? Take a look around. Take a look around. These are some of the most awesome people you're going to find. Instead of just coming in and out of church and sitting down for an hour and then checking out and walking out, make a new friend. These are people who share the most important thing. I understand because the reality is, is, is if we look across our spectrum of a church, we are diverse, okay? We have people from all different backgrounds, all different lives, but the reality is, is, is those things are so much smaller than the thing that unifies us, which is Jesus Christ. I've had friends in my life who share almost every aspect of my life, okay? People who share uh, my passions, my sport habits, all these different things, okay? And I've been friends with them. Then I've had friends who the only thing we shared was Jesus Christ and nothing else. 
And I can tell you that the people that I shared Jesus with were closer friends than the people who I shared everything with. Because if you don't share Jesus, there is a whole level of friendship that can never be reached. But when two people both love Jesus, all that other stuff seems to be small in comparison. And it doesn't matter if, if you're this and I'm this, or you think this or I think that. We're both in this together and we realize that we're friends. Look around. There's people here are some of the greatest people you're ever going to meet. People who could be friends for a lifetime. And take opportunity to make community with them. Start friendships with them. Create relationships. Fourth, it's a place for finding vision and for becoming part of something that's bigger than yourself. On Sunday mornings, this is in a time where a lot of times I'm, I'm sharing vision with you guys. And I don't know about you, but the reason why we come together is because we can do far more together than we ever could apart. Far more. Think about the stuff that we've done. Think about this last week, mega drop that we did. We had almost 6,000 people come to it. Couldn't have been done by one person. But when people get together, Christians get together and work together, these amazing things can happen. And coming here on, on, a, on a Sunday morning or whatever that, that church time is, it's a way of getting plugged into vision and realizing I can be part of something that's far bigger than me and accomplishes more than I ever could on my own. It gives you an opportunity to realize what your place in God's calling is. But here's what I think. How do we expect to succeed if we don't show up? If we're here every single week, say on a weekly basis, you decide, I'm just going to be at our service every, every Sunday, okay? That's 52 times in a year. We actually plan out, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but we plan out our teaching schedule an entire year in advance. We're planning middle of 2012 right now for our teaching schedule. People are like, well, that seems weird. It's not. You know why? Because we realize that 52 weeks, 52 times, is a very, very small window to try to share a nice, equal, balanced picture of the Bible and to not get lopsided on one thing or another. In 52 weeks, my hope is that we teach you a balanced picture of the Bible and God. That's really hard. All the different aspects and facets that go with it, and it takes some strategic planning to say, are we talking about this? Are we talking about this? Are we talking about this? Because if we just plan week by week, we could miss entire sections of God's word. That's why we plan out and we try to be strategic about it. But what's crazy is if you think about it this way, is say you just miss once a month, not that big of a deal. You're only here three quarters of the time then, which is 75%. And when I went through school, 75% was a C. You're already missing a quarter of what's being said. And you realize it's getting harder for me to see that balanced picture of Jesus, isn't it? I'm already missing a quarter of it, and maybe my picture of the Bible is getting a little skewed. Or really, people who say they're only here maybe every other week, you're only here 26 times. And what's sad is, it's not because of the church. It's you. You're missing as much as you're catching. As much as you catch, you miss that whole amount again. And you realize that that picture of, of Jesus, of a vision of all this different stuff, it's hard to see it because you're only catching about 50% of it. And this isn't to bring condemnation. That's not why I say it. But what I'm saying is that being here, man, is important. Awesome things happen. And sometimes the small things can distract us from it. But the problem is when we get to the end, we realize, man, I, I missed a lot that I wish I could have been part of. You'll hear some people, though, um, some people I like to call the super Christians, um, a lot of times what they'll say is this. I'm a Christian, but I don't need to go to church. Or they'll say, you know, I love Jesus, but I just can't stand the church 
Um, have you guys ever heard this? Yes, I've heard it plenty of times as well, too. Um, it, but the problem is, though, is they really don't understand how Jesus set up the church. They don't understand it yet because when you read the Bible, it's really clear. Uh, I'll show you this. I want to show you three verses out of 1 Corinthians 12. And I've read this to you before, actually, just uh, a few weeks ago. It's about the body of Christ. What I want to read to you is, is three verses out of this section. It says in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. The body of Christ is the church. It jumps down, verse 20, it says, Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. And then if we jump down a little farther to verse 27, it says, All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is part of it. It says that we're all part of this body. And if you remember right, when I was reading this to you before, it's where it's saying that some are, you know, a hand, some are a foot, some are an eye, some are a nose, but you can't look at one of the other ones and say, I don't need you, because each one of us have our place inside of the body of Christ. In Ephesians 1.22, right along these same lines, another book of the Bible, but in the same vein, in the same conversation, it says this, God has put all things under the authority of Christ, <clears throat> excuse me, and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church, and the church is his body. So it says, Jesus is the head. The church is the body of Christ. Here's the deal. You can't love Jesus and not love the church because you're in love with a freak then. You're in love with a floating head, okay? A gigantic floating head. That's what you're in love with. You can't neglect the body. It's part of who Jesus is. It's not saying that it's Jesus and then, yeah, there's people who follow him. It's saying that the church, us Christians, we're part with Jesus in this. And he says you can't just say that you don't, you don't love the church. It's part of who Jesus is. You need to. The Bible actually says uh, in, in 1 Corinthians, what I was just reading there, that you can't make it on your own. But you can't make it on your own. When I, well, I was telling you about the different uh, parts about, you know, the, you're this, but you're this. And you can't say to the other one, I don't need you, because if, uh, you know, the whole body were only an eye, how could it smell, you know? And that's what it's talking about. And the reality is this, and this is a funny way to remember it, but it's true. Some people in the church may be heels, but we need feet too. Haha, <laughs> get it? It's a pun. Heels are someone who's, yeah, okay. Anyways, maybe not. That's fine. But we need feet too. It says if you're a hand, you can't look at the feet and say, I don't need them. And we're in this together. We don't have all the gifts. We don't have all the parts. And when we're together, that's when we are actually the church. We don't have all the right gifts. On our own, we're weak. It says that. Some have this gift. Some, some have this gift. Some have this, uh, you know, gifting from God. And when we come together, that's when we actually become effective. I want to say this. You could be offended if you want. The broad majority of people who I have ever met who claimed I am a Christian but do not need the church are not missional in my experience. The people who I've met in my life, and I've met a few, who always claim the, I'm a Christian, but I don't need the church, they have absolutely no mission. And what I mean is they don't care passionately about spreading the gospel. I know that there are some that exist. And don't say, well, I know this person. If you know someone, awesome. Tell them they're different and explain to them that they're cool. But what I'm saying is in my past history, the broad majority of people who I've met who've touted this as Christians, they have no mission. 
and they have no passion to reach others for Jesus. I want to say this. If you get to the point in your Christianity in which you're satisfied to have Jesus, to learn more about God, but you have no passion to tell people about Jesus, you are not saved and your heart is far from God. I'll say it again. I'll say it again. If you ever get to the point in your Christianity where you're happy and content in Jesus, you want to know more about God, but you have no interest in sharing Jesus with others, you have no salvation, and your heart is actually far away from God. Far away from God. The message of Jesus transforms our life. And it's not just a transformation where we want to know more about God, where we want to study God more but it makes us passionate about telling other people because it's a message of salvation. And if you can hold that in, there's something wrong. Now, what I'm saying is is if you're brand new in your Christian faith and you say, listen, I don't have that yet, I'm not talking to you because it's taking a little while. When I first gave my life to Jesus, it took a while to get to the place where I was passionate. It started out and I started getting more and more passionate. I started getting more and more confident. That's cool. What I'm saying is if, if you've been a Christian for a long time, and it seems like it's getting weaker and weaker, that passion, it's because your heart's growing far away from God. And you need to come back to the basics. Forgiveness in Jesus Christ, salvation through him and no other means. And get passionate again about telling people about your Lord and Savior, Jesus. The message of Jesus doesn't push us to be more missional. We're missing the message. Can I be really honest with you? Because I haven't been this whole time. No, I'm just joking. But here's what I really believe. I believe that 99% of Christians' problems could be solved by just showing up. By just showing up. I mean, how many of you people have heard this? I have. I just don't know everyone at church. There's a really easy solution to that. You go and you meet people. People say this. Well, why didn't I get invited to that? I heard a bunch of the people from the church went to it. I haven't seen you in three months. Didn't know you still existed. Haven't heard from you. I don't have your cell phone number. Why am I not on that leadership team? Or why am I not on the worship team? I'm talented. You're not here. You're not here. How could you be on it? Or people will say this. Here's a really great one. I just feel far from God right now. Show up. Show up. God's here. Man, this is a special time you're going to hear from him. You don't know anyone at church? Well, staying away isn't going to help that, is it? You come, you can meet some people. You can meet someone new. People say, I don't understand why I've never been asked to be part of this. I've never been asked to do this. Because you're not here. Show up. Be a part and watch as God does some awesome stuff in your lives and things start happening. I think a lot of people wonder, why am I not, why am I not getting farther with God? Why am I not getting closer? Why don't you do this? Well, just start with the basics. Show up. Take an hour to listen. Take an hour to be close to God. Take an hour to be around God's people. And watch as stuff starts happening. I know some people will be saying this, though, because the idea what I'm talking about is present. And as much as it's just show up, that's not really the sense, too, because present has that thing about being there, like really being there. 
because I know there are ways that you can get around it. We make it really easy here at Acts, and I, I encourage you guys all the time, listen, if you miss a week, it's not really that big of a deal. I understand people's schedules are busy. If you miss a week, cool, whatever. Hop on the website, and you can watch that message, and you can be part of it and stay up to date on what God's teaching is, up to date on what the mission is. But in the same sense, though, too, there's something different about being there in person. I mean, really, think about this, okay? No matter how many emails, tweets, Facebook messages, texts, phone calls, FaceTimes, or Skypes, nothing beats putting your arms around somebody and seeing them face-to-face, does it? Nothing, nothing beats actually hearing their voice. I mean, we have some people in here who are long-distance relationships, right? Some long-distance, you just saw uh, my sister get uh, proposed to you uh, about a month ago, right? Shelby. Does FaceTime cut it? It doesn't matter how many times you talk and you see each other across distances or how many texts you send. There's something special about when you're face-to-face with that person. There's something special about being able to touch them and feel them and know that they're real. The same thing is realistic to us with our faith. There's something special about being here, about being in a place where God can get a hold of you. Paul shows us that it's important in, uh, in Romans one, if you guys want to turn there, Romans 1, I'm going to read you 10 through 15. This is Paul talking to the, to the Roman people. He says this, one of the things I always pray for is the opportunity, God willing, to come at last to see you. For I long to visit you so I can bring you some spiritual gifts that will help you grow strong in the Lord. When we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith, but I also want to be encouraged by yours. I want, to know, I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, that I planned many times to visit you, but I was prevented until now. I want to work among you and see spiritual fruit, just as I've seen among other Gentiles. For I have a great sense of obligation to people in both the civilized world and the rest of the world, to the educated and edu- uneducated alike. I'm so eager to come to you in Rome, too, to preach the good news. Man, Paul is the the master of writing letters to the churches. But he even says, I'm eager to actually get there, to be there for real, in the flesh, to get to meet you and actually see what's going on. There's something about being there in person. But I think really the ultimate example that trumps all other debate, whether or not actually being somewhere is important, is this. If you guys want to turn, this is a good one. Turn to John 1 if you have your Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke. John, fourth gospel. In John 1, starting in verse 1, I want to read this to you, okay? Track with me. Listen as I, as I read this, okay? In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, when people actually read this, what the Word is, if you remember, my mom taught a message on the Bible, the Word is another name for Jesus, another name for him. It says, he existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. 
So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Check this out. It's Jesus Christ, the Son of God, one of three in the Trinity, the one which all things were created through. And when it came to dealing with our sin and winning us back, Jesus said, I got to do it in person. I got to do it in person. I mean, if anybody can send a tweet or a text and get it done, it's God, right? It would be Jesus. Jesus could have been like, you know, send, done, right? He could have taken care of it. But Jesus said that it was so important and so integral that he says, I need to go there in person and take care of this. Jesus left heaven and came down to earth in a physical form to be with his people to create salvation. It's important to show up for real. Jesus made himself present. And I want to encourage us to as well. I want to do this just to finish up today. First and foremost, I always like to offer this to you. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I, I, would, I would tell you this morning, strongly consider starting one. The story of Jesus coming to earth is an amazing one. It says that we could never pay for all the sin. And sin is anything that we do wrong, anything that falls short of God's plan for our life. And it says then that what Jesus did is when he came to earth, the reason why he came was to live a perfect life so he couldn't die. And when he died, he carried all of our sin to the cross and paid for it. It says that if we simply believe in Jesus Christ and in that sacrifice, we believe then he was resurrected from the dead, which if you don't believe in the resurrection, go back and watch that series. just changes everything about his resurrection. But that death and rebirth in which he destroyed death's plan for us. He paid for our sins. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I'd love to encourage you to start one this morning. But secondly, if you do have a relationship with Jesus, I encourage you to be present. And I hope that this morning it doesn't come as a, this is a, a, con, this is a condemning message. It's not. It's an encouraging message in this. What I'm saying is when you take time to get plugged in and you take time to be here, God's going to do awesome stuff in your lives. Awesome stuff. When you avail yourself to being here, man, God's going to meet with you, and he's going to start changing stuff and doing crazy good things in your life. I want to pray. If you guys will go ahead and close your eyes, bow your head, just to give honor to the people around you. First and foremost, if there's someone here this morning who say, listen, I don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I would love to start one this morning. If you want that, just go ahead, raise your hand, and look at me this morning. And then for you guys who this morning, maybe you have a relationship with Jesus. Um, and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but if you just want to uh, say today, and you can just say in the quiet of your heart, whatever it is that, that God's been doing to you, I'm not, I'm not formatting a response in your heart. That's not my interest. My interest is whatever God has done in your heart this morning in hearing this message about being, being present. Just respond to it. It's as easy as doing this. If you're feeling something that God's done in your heart, just say, God, thank him for whatever you felt. Ask him how you can change what you might need to change or thank him for encouragement you might have got. Just respond to God for a second. All right, I'm going to pray to finish here. Jesus, I thank you so much for this morning. And God, I thank you for the fact that you're such a good God that you meet with us, God. That as we come here, you're waiting for us. Your Holy Spirit meets us. It helps change us. I pray to you also, God, that you would just... um encourage us, Lord, no matter how busy life gets, to set aside time to be able to make for you, God. 
And when we do, that we know that we will be um, rewarded. Not in the sense of, of a physical reward, maybe, but God, just a reward of, of your presence. I thank you so much for it, God. Help us to be present. It's in your name I pray, Jesus Christ. Amen.